This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Coo Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grow New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I am your host and your Fireside bard. Welcome to episode 107 of Fireside. Today on the Irish storytelling podcast, we have a story about poetry and about the power of poets and indeed of storytellers. It is the tale of the bard and the king of cats. But first, if you are a new listener, you are very welcome along. If you enjoy this episode, why don't you head right back to the very beginning, 106 episodes and over two years ago to see what we've built up to on this journey of Fireside. And if you're a returning listener, you as are always very welcome back. Please do follow me over on Instagram at Fireside Bard or if Email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. They're the best places to reach out if you want to just say hello or if you have any questions or queries or thoughts or anything, get me on either the Instagram or via email. Now, for the past couple of months, I have been teasing a very big announcement from Headstuff, the Headstuff Podcast Network, of which Fireside is a very proud son of. And today I can finally announce, it gives me great pleasure to finally announce Headstuff Plus. Headstuff Plus is a new membership program for the listeners of Headstuff's podcasts. You can join for as little as five euro a month, although you can pay more if you so wish. And for that fee, you will not only be supporting Fireside or Irish podcasting, but you will also gain access to premium content, not just from this podcast, but all 35 other Headstuff podcasts. What's more, you can choose where your membership fee goes to. So if you're someone who just listens to Fireside, you can just support me. Or if you support some of the other podcasts like Sexy Beasts or Mother Folklore, you can support up to two other podcasts as well. But even if you just pay to support one podcast, you can still get access to all the premium content for all the other podcasts. This uh, Headstuff Plus is where I will be uploading videos articles of reviews for the sources that I use. I'll be uploading some original music and poetry. And most importantly, I think uh, I will be uploading one bonus episode of Fireside per month. The first two pieces of premium content are the music video for my ballad of the Giant's Causeway, which appeared in aural form on the 100th episode, and the never-before-seen, very exclusive video of Fireside Sessions at the Dublin Podcast Festival last year, our first proper live show. 
Now, to my patrons, to those who support me over on Patreon.com, I will be keeping the Patreon open. So if this switch isn't for you, your generosity is immensely appreciated. I don't, as long as you're willing to support the podcast, it will be there for you. But what Headstuff Plus can do is create a dedicated place just for the listeners of Fireside. We can create and solidify the Fireside community that has been building and I've been so proud of over the past couple of years and on a very practical but nonetheless very relevant factor with patreon not only do does patreon itself take a commission from each donation uh, a conversion fee and tax that all goes back into the big empire of patreon big podcast so to speak whereas the commission fee for the headstuff plus will go directly back into the headstuff podcast network which is an independent irish company that has supported fireside from the very beginning so ethically i think you'll all agree that makes more sense now as always there's no hard sell on this this is just there will still be an episode of fireside released for all every week but this will be the new home for those looking for a bit more uh so there's more information on headstuffpodcast.com but just to finally announce yes delighted that headstuff plus is now live but today's story this is a brilliant story that I found just before Christmas and couldn't wait to do it straight away. Um, I, in previous times, have loved stories about storytelling and this is one of those. Although in a way it's a story more about poetry, about poets. But in, in ancient Ireland, you know, poets and storytellers and even judges were kind of an interchangeable, uh, interchangeable job, you know. And... We've had a few big cats appear in in episodes of Fireside of late. We had the cat and the rat, where a massive where a massive rat took on a massive cat, which was actually a much better story than it sounds with that synopsis. And also when we had the story of of Sean the Barnoiga. In uh, his adventures in Lachlan, we had uh, we had uh, a a massive cat guarding guarding one of the tombs he had to recover treasure from. So big cats seem to have made a quite a big presence in Irish folklore and mythology, and this is probably the most interesting one I found of all in terms of detail because actually now we meet the king of the cats. We'll chat a bit more afterwards, of course, but. Here we go. This is the story of the Bard and the King of the Cats on Fireside. The Bard and the King of Cats In Ireland, the word of the poet has always been sacred. Or, I should say, the word of the poet has always been feared. Because poets wielded the greatest weapon of all. Satire. The High King of Ireland himself could spend a lifetime building up acclaim, respect and honour, only to have a few vicious lines of verse immortalise him as a fool. Reputation is, as they say, a lifetime to build, but seconds to destroy. And the poets knew the power at their disposal. They travelled together in bardic troops, 
like verse-spitting bikers, pirates or vikings. They would tour the island and be welcome at every dinner table, regardless of how high or how low-born. Because if they weren't welcome, well... And it took 14 years to become a filla, the word we casually use for poet today in the Irish language. A mere seven years' training would earn you the title of bard. So, the highest position of the bardic association was the Ard Filla, the High Poet. The bards were celebrating the appointment of a new Ard Filla, Shankon the Bard. A great feast was held at the court of the King of Connacht, Goira. In attendance were over 50 poets, bards, musicians, storytellers, as well as 50 nobles. For three days and three nights a riotous, raucous, ever-rolling-over session befell Connacht. And entertaining a band of entertainers and nobles was no mean feat. King Goira frequently would ask his guests how they were enjoying the festivities and increasing demands were the constant reply. Demands of bloodier meat, stronger wine, new animal flesh and intestines to make repairs to lyres, flutes and drums. The king was exhausted. But one who was not one bit impressed was Shankon the Bard. It was no secret that Shankon the Bard hated the nobility of Ireland. This was how he had risen to the lofty role of Ardfilla. Without mercy, he would condemn and criticise the vices, laziness and hypocrisy of those who feasted while others starved. The poets were at home with either the rich or the poor. They always had a foot in both camps and so really were members of neither. But Shankon looked on in disgust at rich and fat fools he perceived around him, so he decided he would abstain from the feast. For three days and three nights Shankon sat and sulked and did not eat a morsel or drink a drop. This was a nightmare for King Goira. I'll get the blame for this, he correctly assumed. So the king made every effort to get the bard to eat. He sent cup-bearing boys and serving girls, but Shankon would send them all away, usually in tears. Get away, boy. I've heard all sorts about your dad. Leave me, girl. Don't talk to me about your granny. I hear she's a leper. This last comment was the last straw for the king of Connacht. Ard Fella or no, I curse Shankon. May his lips meet a leper's before he dies. There was one particularly brave and kind serving girl who approached Shankon with great concern. Please, sir, our hen just laid an egg. If you eat it... I won't tell anyone. But please do eat something. If you don't, you might starve to death, and the world would be robbed of more of your great poetry. 
Shang Kahn relented to this ego stroke and allowed the girl to bring him the one egg. But when the youth returned, she was embarrassed to say, I'm afraid the egg is gone. Where's it gone? Have you scoffed it? No, I swear, the mice must have eaten it. Shan Khan became so incensed with rage, he wrote a fervent satire so harsh, ten mice dropped dead. But Eggate could not be forgiven at that. Shan Khan reasoned, It was not so much the fault of the mice, but the fault of the cat. The cat has neglected her duties. So the bard composed a satire on the entire feline race, from the smallest house tabby to the great Irason himself. Irason was the son of Arason, husband to Spitfire and father to Sharptooth. Irason was the king of the cats. And as word often does, news of the satire quickly reached the kingdom of the cats and Irason's pricked royal ears. I will kill this Shankon the Bard. Bring him home alive, father, said Irison's daughter, Sharptooth. Then we might kill him together. When Shankon heard that the king of the cats was coming to kill him, he quickly sent word to every keep and kingdom, attempting to raise an army to defend himself. The Bardic Order wrote good poems, but were lacking in the fight department. Cats, as we know, are swift when they want to be, and soon Irison was on Shankon's doorstep. The Bard attempted flattery, a Bard's second best weapon. Irison, son of Arison, king of the cats, to what do I owe this greatest of pleasures? Do not even start, Shankon. You can't just roam around from feast to feast like a common stray, giving out whatever it suits you. Cats are creatures of consequence. The bard protested as the king of cats clutched him in his jaws and flung him onto his back. Irasan then went to take the hostage back to the kingdom of the cats. On the way... They passed by the monastery of Clonmacnoise, founded by St. Ciaran the Younger, who happened to be around at the time. He looked out in horror. Is that the Ard Filla of Ireland I see on the back of a cat? The abbot went to the forge of Clonmacnoise, took a red-hot poker from the flames, and in a most unmonk-like move, stabbed the king of the cats to death. Take that! And that lousy cat. Rather than being grateful or even remotely happy, Shankon was sour towards St. Kiron. What could possibly be wrong? said the abbot. I just saved your life. I would rather have been cat food, protested Shankon, because the great dishonour would have fallen on Goira of Connacht. This is all his fault for indulging the nobles at what was meant to be my feast. When all the other petty kings of Ireland heard of Shankon the Bard's plight, they 
all sent out invitations to his door. Goira's name became Muck, and Shankon had a royal seat in every home in Ireland, for fear their hosts may suffer the same misfortune as the King of Connacht. So Goira sent many invitations, and eventually Shankon returned to Connacht, where he and the entire Bardic Order were welcomed for thirty days of food, drink and good times. So great was this feast, and so wide finally the smile on Shankon's face, that Goira of Connacht became known as Goira the Glorious. And so he is known still, because the words of poets are immortal. The End Folks, today's episode of Fireside has a sponsor. Uh, This week's episode is sponsored by the Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland and their podcast, 180 Degrees. Now, 180 Degrees is a podcast answering questions and sharing the stories of people from across Ireland working towards a cleaner energy future. They chat to people who are making a real difference in the areas of sustainable transport, energy in the home and in our own communities. They hear how businesses and public sector bodies are cutting carbon emissions and how energy resource, uh, our energy research rather, is informing policy decisions. 180 Degrees is brought to you by the Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland, which is supported by the Government of Ireland. Uh, They've been going going for over a month now. Uh, They sponsored an episode of Fireside in December, and the episode they will be releasing this week is on on becoming, on how Ireland can become a sustainable energy community. Like I said when in the last sponsorship, Fireside is largely a labour of love, now with a small but ever-growing community of very generous patrons, so nonetheless sponsorship is always immensely appreciated. And so to be sponsored by some force of positive change is something I feel incredibly honoured to be able to use what little platform I have to promote. I think sustainability has undoubtedly taken a back seat in the last year for very understandable reasons, but it is still an ever-pressing and growing issue, and podcasts like 180 Degrees are doing their part. So please do give it a listen, and thank you 180 Degrees for sponsoring an episode of Fireside. And that is the story of Shan Con the Bard and the King of Cats on Fireside. And I hope you enjoyed it. Yes, a lovely, lovely tale this and quite a lot of detail to unpack. So we'll go straight into it. I mentioned last week that I recently read this book on the Brehan Laws, which were the ancient which were the system of laws in ancient Ireland, which were considered immensely ahead of their time. And they in fact they they were very much so in Things like, for example, uh, men and women were entirely equal in ancient Ireland before the arrival of the Christians. Uh, If you got married in ancient Ireland, you would have what was called a trial marriage, where you would get married for a year, and if it didn't work out, you could just both part ways, no problem. Divorce was very accepted. You know, a huge amount of incredibly 
thinking ahead and prolific laws that worked incredibly well until with the Celts and the Christians came the patriarchy and led us into the system that we are still to this day recovering from. But the Bre- the Bren laws, while I'm sure not the entirely the utopia they present themselves as, were an incredibly advanced system of laws very practically and pragmatically put in place from experience rather than at the foundation of a of a country or a group of people but they form so many of the stories and myths and folk tales that have come out to me now seem more and more times to illustrate the Breton laws in place so for example here we have this idea of satire, which has come up numerous times. So of the 150 petty kingdoms in Ireland, in ancient Ireland, you only had rights if you stayed within your tua, within your area. The only exceptions to this were if you were a poet, a judge, or a bard. So as we had last week, very similar with Manon and at play, we had Manon and MacLear in the form of this clown and him approaching this kingdom and being told he couldn't leave, so killing all of the guard on the way out. And here we have a similar thing where we have the fear of the bards. And this was a very real thing. There's an incredible introduction to Kieran Carson's adaptation of The Thorn, where he talks about these bardic orders traveling around the country and eating and feasting free of charge and having this incredible life like this like they were this kind of biker gang or viking raiding troop which they could do so freely because word of mouth was everything in under the brand laws and in ancient ireland being a king wasn't absolute you could be deposed and your heir had to be agreed by a council it it was an incredibly liberal system so and you couldn't be a king if you weren't perfect physically or in reputation so we have this fear so well illustrated here and this power that words had there and that satire had that that we take so for granted now of a casual slag of someone which meant everything back then. And then we have this, this introduction of this other world that we just get this brief glimpse to. And the source for this this story was was W.B. Yeats' Fairy and Folktales book, which I've gone back to, my original source for some of the earliest stories of this podcast. And it was one of the last tales, and it was one I hadn't read before. As there's so many stories in it, I'm still finding new ones all the time. And no context or anything, it just brings up these these characters, Irison, the king of the cats, and it has this this family of him, so we have Irison, son of Arason, husband to the wife Spitfire, father to Sharptooth. We have these incredible names and we're given just these few names that are our only glimpse into this world of the kingdom of the cats, which we have just only a few lines earlier discovered exists. So what I want to know now and what my ears will now be pricked to, and hopefully the bad or minor phenomenon will kick in, I want to know more about Irison son of Arason and I want to know about Spitfire and Sharptooth because we just get this very quick glimpse into this world, this kingdom of the cats. No context about who they were or how they came into place and I've never seen the names mentioned before even in other stories featuring enchanted cats. 
but we have this and that's what I love about reading these it can be frustrating sometimes but for the most part it's an incredible aspect of researching for a fireside is sometimes you'll have an aspect a piece of magic a character or just an event happen in a story that has no explanation because no explanation seems to be needed and sometimes I think I get bogged down with trying to put sense into them because I'm trying to make sense of them for myself when I'm telling my own versions of these stories but sometimes no sense is needed and sometimes it's enough it's amazing what we can accept in fairy tales and folk tales and that is something I just accepted and just ignited my imagination again to the idea of the kingdom of the cats and that satire and a bad word spreading so quickly because it always does doesn't it and Irasan finding out about the the this bard this poet slagging him off and going to hunt him down. And then, when Irasan has caught Shankon in his claws, we have an appearance by St. Kiron. One of the two St. Kirons of Ireland, I would like to say. Uh, I've had stories about St. Kevin, and Kiron is actually my brother's name. So, we've had a lot of mentions of the namesake sakes of my family. We just have a real-life real life character, it's like whether you believe in Christianity or not, Kieran the Abbot was a real lad in Clan McNoise. We have him suddenly just appear. And not just appear, but murder, kill the King of Cats with a red hot poker. So that definitely puts a a timeline on this story, or certainly when it can't have been earlier then. Because this seems like, this is almost closer to myth. It almost occupies the same world. It's very similar in location to Manon in that play, so it seems appropriate that it has almost been paired with that story. Um, King Goira of Connacht, I haven't been able to find out if he was a real person or not. I would usually think he was. Uh, the kings are usually, whether these stories are true about them or not, usually they're about real characters or real figures in history, which again shows that there is strength to almost probably more strength to the poetry and the storytelling because historical figures from this time could be so easily lost to us but these stories have survived and yes they they've changed and molded over the years but they're still there they're still the the essence the kernel of a soul of these these real people is remains in these stories along with their enchanted cat enemies so yeah there's this is gem like this story you know if you look at it from different angles there's more to see so much packed into it and i love it for that this is exactly my kind of story and one i'll log away you know i don't do stories that i ever hate but sometimes there's one that's just really exciting to read and comes to life in the performance and i hope that that comes across for you as a listener as well but i'm going to wrap things up there i hope you enjoyed this episode Please do follow me over on Instagram at firesidebard. Email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. Please do become a member of Headstuff Plus. It is the, was just launched this week. It just This episode will come out on Wednesday. It will have launched on Monday. So it's brand new. Head, I probably rambled and got tongue-tied explaining it. Uh, I'll get better at explaining as it goes on and you will all find out together um but i think it's going to be a really exciting thing if you want to support fireside and if you want to become a member of the community of ireland's 
biggest and best podcast network in my opinion anyway um it is no better place to go and it will be the best place and it will continue i think to grow fireside which has all been down to you down to the patreons who support me and to each and every one of you for listening so thank you for that it's there if you want to and we'll chat more about it in future i'll see you all you'll hear me all next week when we have another folk tale where we return to or another myth i should say where we return to the dagda to the father of the gods and we have the story of the drowned goddess i'll enjoy that one too and i hope you do too i'll see you all you hear me all next time and remember wherever you are and wherever you go you can always join me by the fireside this show is part of the headstuff podcast network a hub for the creative and the curious shows are produced in association with headstuff and the podcast studios dublin find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.